This is an ABC podcast. Every bottle of shampoo I bought was like a bottle of hope that it was somehow going to give me the long, luscious locks you see on the television ads. If I don't have my hair that is really long, I need something else to make me look more feminine. Certainly today there's this expectation that the ideal of femininity is having long, flowing locks. Guys, when they go grey, they're silver foxes. And women, when they go grey, to some, that's just like, why would you do that? You're now an old woman. The conditioning that I experienced as a girl, being taught about Eurocentric beauty standards, that if I straightened my hair, I was fitting in, and if I didn't, then I was suddenly sort of a black panther or something. I went out last night. It was busy. People were eating and socialising, laughing, hanging out, being normal. And everywhere I looked, men had short hair and women had long hair. So I started to really pay attention. And it was without exception. Every man had short hair. Every woman had long hair. This is a cultural rule that people stick to more than they stick to the goddamn road rules. And what happens if anyone breaks the rules? Well, Brittany shaved her head in 2007 and we are still talking about it. Why are even the rebels and the badass feminists so obedient to the gender rules when it comes to hair? Let's remove our scrunchies and tease this out, shall we? Because, ladies, we need to talk about the politics of hair. Hi, my name's Shannon, and for the last few years I've said the year I turned 40 that I was going to shave my head for cancer research. But over 12 months ago, a good friend of mine lost her daughter to a very aggressive childhood brain cancer called DIPG. Right now, Shannon has thick, shiny brown hair. It's long, like it goes halfway down her back. And it is, in a word, gorgeous. Soon, that gorgeous hair will be lying in big chunks on the floor. I have a daughter who is eight, a son who is six, and another son who is three and a half. And I'm happily married. And my boys were fine with it all, but my daughter was quite upset with the idea. I am quite nervous about how I'm going to look. We've asked Shannon to keep an audio diary of her plans to shave her head. We'll catch up with her later to find out if she goes through with it. And yeah, I know it's no big deal, it's just hair. But let's be real. Hair is never just hair. Hair communicates messages to others about our health, social status, personal beliefs, which groups we identify with. Strand by strand, hair is a coded shorthand telling people about who we are. Hair is tied up with a lot of real-world assumptions. If you have a buzz cut, you're probably gay. If you have locks, you smoke weed. If you're bald, you must be sick. If you're grey, you're too old to be having sex. And if you're white and have cornrows, you just got back from Bali. 
Why is hair so symbolic? There's a lot bound up with hair and it's a very integral part of our identity and our sense of self. This is Dr Hannah McCann. She's a senior lecturer in cultural studies at the University of Melbourne. It's an expectation in contemporary society and in Western society that women have long hair and men have short hair. There's a lot of debate about the history of that and when it started, but certainly today there's this expectation that the ideal of femininity is having long flowing locks. Why is a woman's hair so bound to their gender identity? There's an expectation that there's a certain way that you should present as a woman. So the expectation around being a woman is also associated with expectations around meeting certain ideals of femininity. So those are are bound up together and they're also bound up with expectations around sexuality. This all works together in this neat little package. You know, you're assigned female at birth, you're expected to grow up to be a woman and you're expected to grow up to be a feminine woman who's attracted to men. And people so rarely question that. I guess when you cross any of those boundaries, that's when expectations get challenged and people think, oh, you've cut your hair short, maybe you're crossing, you know, sexual expectations as well. Like you're you're deviating from one part of that set of expectations in the gender binary and therefore you've called everything else into question as well. Hannah, I remember my dad when I was a young kid saying, you know, I just like women with long hair. <laughs> and I remember hearing other men say that, you know, it's I just prefer women with long hair. What's your reaction to that? I think that we need to understand our preferences as also kind of part of this cultural construction of expectation. That preference isn't natural. That's what your father would have grown up with. The presentation of women who are beautiful in magazines and on television, you know, this is beauty, have long hair. For Shannon, the mum about to shave her head, her long hair has been attractive and part of her identity as a woman for as long as she can remember. Well, it's Shannon here again doing my head shaving diaries. It's a week today and I, as I've said before, I'm nervous, but I'm obviously getting more and more nervous. I'm probably not really the most vain person. You know, I don't really ever wear much makeup, jewellery, anything like that. But I have just gone and got my eyelashes tinted and permed and my eyebrows waxed and dyed. And I've also gone to the shops and bought so many dangly earrings. So I'm trying to figure out, okay, if I don't have my hair that is really long, around my face, I guess. Not that I wear it out that much. I tend to wear it up in a pony or a high bun. But I need something else to make me look more feminine is probably what my thought process is. My husband, he's probably my main concern when I do shave my head as to what he'll think of me and whether he'll still find me attractive. But I guess we'll see what happens when I do shave it. Shannon is struggling with that idea of being feminine and sexually attractive without long hair. But for some women, losing their hair is not a choice. Kelly Scott, also known on Instagram as the hair loss boss, started losing her hair in her late 20s. 
after a lot of research and seeking out specialist assistance, I was diagnosed with androgenic alopecia, also known as female pattern hair loss. Is the hair loss all over your head or is it just in certain spots? So for androgenic alopecia, it's an all-over diffuse thinning, which is slightly concentrated sort of on the top of your head, I suppose. So uh, the hair at my nape would maybe be considered thicker than the hair on the top of my head. But overall, I've lost about 70% of the hair I used to have. So when I put my hair in a pony, it's more like a little rat's tail. And you can definitely see my scalp, particularly through the top. Hair is so tied up in our concepts of ourselves, like our femininity, our appearance, our appeal. So what was it like in those early stages dealing with the loss of your hair? Devastating. I mean, I didn't have hair that I was particularly obsessed with. It was already kind of thin and fine and something I'd struggled throughout my life to really love or get looking like I hoped it would. Every bottle of shampoo I bought was like a bottle of hope that it was somehow going to give me the long, luscious locks you see on the television ads. But yeah, I think I was really worried about my future romantic life. The hair loss had started before I was with my current partner now. Um, And I guess, you know, even though I was dating and having the usual fun in life and I was attracting partners and it logically wasn't holding me back, but it was a fear of mine that, you know, I wouldn't be perceived as beautiful or worthy of love anymore because I didn't have a full head of hair. So in looking at your own reflection in the mirror. Yes. Have you ever thought, maybe I'll just get rid of it all. I'll go bald. Oh, I've contemplated shaving my head so many times and, you know, I'm part of an awesome online hair loss community in the social media world and seen I've seen many women take this step. I'd say 99% of the time they find it super empowering and also a lot easier if you enjoy wearing wigs, etc. But I'm still kind of attached to my mullet. <laughs> <laughs> I feel a sense of this is me and I don't mind transitioning between my wig wearing and my mullet wearing at home. And also it allows me, even though my hair is quite thin and not great, it allows me if I just want to duck out to the post office or go to the beach um, without wearing hair, that I'm still passable. I'm not going to get those glances and that judgment that perhaps a woman with a buzz cut would get. While Kelly has come to terms with her thinning hair, she finds it really hard to ignore how hair makes her feel. I have not escaped that feeling of I'm more beautiful if I have long hair. So even with everything I've gone through, I still feel more confident and beautiful with a long wig. Hey, it's Shannon. Tomorrow is the big night. I am absolutely shitting myself. Last night I was lying in bed with my husband and um, said, like, you know, are we going to have sex one more time with me, with my long hair? And because I'm obviously nervous about what he'll think of me or how he'll see me. But for the first time he kind of opened up a little bit and said, well, he's actually more worried about how I'll see myself for him, that I won't find myself attractive for him because I won't have hair. But my 
daughter. <laughs> Just said like such a beautiful thing because I was getting anxious. And she said, oh, mummy, it's just hair. It's going to grow back. You are doing such a good thing. When I was a little girl, I remember my mum doing the Sunday night hair routine and sort of chasing me around the living room to capture me, to brush my Afro hair out and plait it so that I would look uh, presentable for school. This is Chantelle Weatherall. She's a writer, consultant and the host of the Hey Auntie podcast. I am a British-Australian woman with West African heritage. I have really coily Afro hair, which um, when it gets to a length is more a question of height than length to my shoulders. Something to contemplate is my own hair privilege. I have very manageable straight hair that looks presentable with minimal intervention. It's completely different for black women. I would chemically straighten my hair or treat my hair or have hair extensions or do one of any number of things to try and make my hair look professional. How do you think black women's hair is policed differently to others? I think that the conditioning that I experienced as a girl, being taught about Eurocentric beauty standards, um, being taught that if I straightened my hair, I was fitting in, and if I didn't, then I was suddenly sort of a Black Panther or something. But as an adult, I've gained so much insight into that now, partly by talking to my Indigenous sisters who had the same experience. And it was so incredible to me they too had their black mothers grab them and tidy them up for school the next week. And it's all stemming from the same place, the idea that as a black mother, if your child doesn't look perfect, you're going to be critiqued. The experience of lockdown and not being able to visit the hairdresser made you think differently about your hair. Can you tell me about that? When the Victorian lockdown was announced, obviously many of my fellow Victorians rushed out and hoarded toilet paper, but um, I and lots of other African diaspora women in my community immediately started thinking, I'm now cut off from my hairdresser and I'm now committed to endless video conversations with all my clients, all my colleagues every day, and all they're going to see is my hair going to pot? And so it really put me into a bit of a tears and it really, if I'm honest, impacted my self-esteem because I think that while I had access to hairdressers and I had access to hair products, I didn't have to really sit with the fact that I really wasn't comfortable with myself as I was. Chantel isn't being overly sensitive to the opinions of others. School children around the world are still being sent home from school, put into tension or even suspended for having hair that does not conform to the uniform standards simply because it is natural, coily or kinky Afro hair. Those same standards, while less overtly enforced for adults, still act against black people in workplaces today. For Chantel, being cut off from access to hair professionals meant that, like it or not, people might make judgments about her. So Chantel was forced to expand her skill set and embraced hairstyles that celebrated her cultural background. It sounds probably a bit cheesy, but 
It was actually an opportunity that I'd never had in my whole life to have space to get to know my hair, to befriend my hair. And I spent time doing that. And now, you know, I don't have an array of things that I can do, but I can hold my own and I can play with my hair. I can have fun with my hair. Something that I find really exciting and that fills me with hope is that, you know, the journey that I've gone on to learn to love my hair was not a journey of other people changing how they felt about it. It was a journey of me changing how I felt about it. Did you hear that, ladies? Something positive came out of lockdown. A forced absence from the hairdresser gave Chantelle the space and time to challenge her workplace norms, which isn't easy, and maybe also the judgments that she had internalised about her hair. If you do anything because you feel compelled by society, because you feel that you're not acceptable or lovable or professional or whatever it is as you are, that's not cool, that's disempowering, that's not a beauty standard, that's control. Hey, if a woman's hair is considered a symbol of her femininity and her vitality, what happens when that hair starts to... Go grey. We need to talk about this. So I promised to let mine go grey naturally, and for a long time I did. I wore it with a big streak of grey in the fringe. looked kind of cool. But then the whole lot started to turn grey, like the sides, the back, the whole lot. And my kids worried that this meant I was going to die soon. (laughs) Most of us find our first greys around the age of 30. And by the age of 50, half of us will have lost the colour in 50% of our hair. But I'm not seeing this number reflected in the hair of the ladies at, say, my gym, and not the ladies at work either. Is it because all that work and all that exercise is keeping our hair young? (laughs) An Australian survey conducted by researchers at La Trobe Uni found that women dye their greys in order not to be treated as old, particularly at work. Some women are finding that bias in the workplace is affecting their career prospects. Tara Moss is a best-selling author and model. She's in her late 40s and after a lifetime of colouring her hair, about three years ago she decided to stop covering her greys. Well, I made a decision to discover my true colours. I've got greys, I've got a sort of salt and pepper hair. My hair is super smoky and it's like a granite kind of color Mm. it's really interesting but I really dig it I I just I kind of like naturally look like a Disney villain now and I'm embracing it so I feel yeah more myself and gosh I've saved a lot of money it's almost embarrassing how much money I've saved over three years (laughs) huge uh, our listeners, I think, are getting a, a, an image of you as this vampy, granite hedge, high cheekbones, kind of yeah. sexy woman. Yeah. What about other women who are afraid of losing their sex appeal by going grey and kind of stepping straight into post-middle age in their appearance? 
You only need to get onto Instagram and look at, you know, gray hair don't care or the other hashtag to realize that actually you can just do it your own way. Like it's still going to be you, but your hair is gray. I don't think gray hair is actually as aging as most people think, but we do need to be aware of and be conscious of the fact that some people don't have these choices and disproportionately women are pressured to try to, you know, keep up a certain appearance, keep their makeup going, keep the hair that's gray covered, keep those heels on, even if it's not good for them. Why do we think that women with gray hair are old and past it, like witchy even? (laughs) while greying men are dashing and accomplished. We do know that there is a kind of, there's sexism and ageism tied up in uh, the way we perceive grey hair. Yeah, we're not talking about, you know, equal pay and things like that, but these things actually do affect women's material worlds. It costs money to keep up those types of appearances. So some of this stuff is actually a feminist issue. It's not as superficial as it might seem at first. If we're going to look at it, we should look at it at least in the same way that we do with men, that it is a sign of, you know, age and therefore authority. I have plenty of girlfriends who are single who are just like, I don't think I can show my gray hair because, you know, I I don't think I'm going to get men interested. That's kind of sad, but it is a, a reflection of reality. Tara, is there a George Clooney equivalent for women? Well, look, Helen Mirren is rocking it. You know, you have to admit, you've got your Helen Mirrens and your Judy Denches, but I'm not sure how many women are kind of more at that kind of the real middle age. I don't know her name, but there's a wonderful artist in Los Angeles, and she, uh, you know, arrived on the red carpet with her boyfriend. You may have heard of him, Keanu Reeves. And there was a kind of internet outcry, like, what? What's he doing with this old woman? They're the same age, but she doesn't dye her hair. I remember when you um, first went grey on Instagram Mm. a couple of years ago and it was just, it's so dumb that I'm this person, but I actually felt like, oh, wow, Tara is doing it. I can do it too. Like I didn't, I didn't think I needed permission, but it sort of helped help me feel like, okay, she's still a babe. I can still be a babe. <laughs> but isn't that, you know, it's not wrong though because I was doing the same thing with other people. I, I, I'd see them in their amazing grey hair and actually go, maybe I can do this. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! The moment has arrived for mother of three, Shannon, to shave her head. Oh, shit. Oh, my God. Well, I did it. I shaved my head and, oh, it was fucking liberating. I tell you, I was extremely nervous and um, scared. I was excited. But now that I've done it, I love it. Shannon's long, lustrous hair is scattered in clumps on the ground and, with it, conventional standards of how a woman should look. I'm so happy I did it and I feel... I guess I actually feel a little bit more confident that I've done it because not many people would take the opportunity to shave their head or have the, have the guts to, really. So I feel a bit fearless feel like it's giving me, like I said, some confidence. took me a little bit to look into the mirror once I'd done it, but my kids love it. My husband thinks it looks awesome and he's so proud of me. My daughter, she came home and she'd drawn this picture of a lion on the back of this paper plate 
and on the back of it she wrote, Dear Mum, you're as fierce as a lion. Don't worry about how you look. I love you or something. It was just beautiful. And I thought, wow, like we have not only raised all this money for Run DIPG, but we've also showed our daughters that looks don't matter and something as powerful as shaving your head is a positive thing because you're kind of showing the world that this is me, raw, exposed, not doled up to the nines, worrying about how my hair looks. Ladies, I also got a drastic haircut. It was during the shit show that was 2020 and I basically shaved both sides off and now I look like a centurion with a big helmet of bushy Asian hair sticking up down the middle. And can I tell you, it was shocking, shocking, I tell you, how little I cared about the change and about how my goddamn hair looked. Seriously, the planet's on fire. Our children are facing down a very uncertain future. We live in a criminally unequal, sexist and racist society. The pandemic has killed literally millions of people. We're all going to die anyway. Why not just chop off the hair? And when people say, oh, Yumi, I couldn't, you have the face for it, but I don't, to that I say, you can. You can do whatever you want with your hair. The rules don't apply. It's all up to you. Ladies We Need to Talk is mixed by Anne-Marie de Betancourt, who has long hair. It's produced by Tamar Cranswick, who has long hair. Supervising producer is Alex Lolback, who has long hair. And our executive producer is Justine Kelly, who has long hair. This series was created by Claudine Ryan, who has long hair. Ladies, if all this drama about women's hair has you scratching your head and you want to sink your teeth into more on the imbalance between men and women when it comes to beauty, you have to decide, am I going to exercise today or I'm going to blow dry my hair because I can't exercise and then run under a shower like the men can. I missed breakfast, so I stopped eating. I don't have time for everything. There were even times where I'd have to take the coffee into the shower just to have enough time. Then scroll back, because in the Ladies We Need to Talk feed, you'll find a really good episode about the gender beauty gap.